Canto 10, Chapter 13 Lord Brahma steals the boys and calves. Sri Shuka said, Asking such very good questions, you are a most fortunate soul, O best of the devotees, because you, with your wish to hear the stories about the Lord again and again, lend them new charm. This is what sets apart the truthful souls who accepted the essence of life that what is their life's purpose, the aim of their understanding, and what comes first to their mind, appears to be new every time they properly discuss matters in relation to the infallible one, despite the repetition, just like every woman seems to be new to a womanizer. Please listen carefully, O King. I will relate it to you, even though it is a confidential subject. For gurus describe even hidden matters to a loving disciple. After he had saved the boys and calves from the mouth of that deadly Aga, the Supreme Lord brought them to the river bank and spoke the following words. Oh, how beautiful this river bank is, my dear friends. It offers all opportunity to play with its soft and clean sands, the aroma of the blooming lotuses which attract the bumblebees and the sounds of the chirping birds everywhere in the many trees. Let us eat here. It is late now and we are weak from hunger. After the calves drank from the water, they at ease can eat from the nearby grasses. They consented, let the calves drink from the water and took them to the tender grasses. Then they opened their lunch bags and happily enjoyed their meal together with the Supreme Lord. In a wide circle, happily facing inward, the boys of Vraja grouped in rows around Krishna. Thus, sitting down in the forest, they looked as beautiful as the petals and leaves that make up the whirl of a lotus flower. Some of them used flower petals as a plate, while others used bunches of leaves, twigs, fruits, the material of their packets, the bark of trees or a slab of rock. All of them allowed the others a taste of their own favorite food and thus they had a good time taking their lunch with the Lord while laughing at making others laugh. With his flute tucked away in his belt and with the horn and the prod at his left side, he took the yogurt rice and pieces of fruit between his fingers. Keeping himself in the middle of the circle of his comrades, he made them laugh, telling his jokes. The denizens of heaven thus witnessed how the enjoyer of all sacrifices was enjoying his childhood pastimes. O Sion of Bharata, while the infallible one this way in harmony was eating together with the cowherds, the calves looking for grass had wandered deep into the forest. Noticing that, Krishna, the terror of fear, said to the wearied boys, O friends, stay where you are, I shall bring the calves back to this spot. Krishna, the Supreme Lord, after saying this, went away with a bit of food in his hand to look everywhere in the mountains, the caves, the bushes and the bowers for the calves of his friends. He who was born from the lotus and who resides in the beyond, Lord Brahma, was very charmed by the way the Lord had enchanted the boys. Just to see more of it, he led the boys and their calves away to hide them elsewhere, O man of the Kuru bond. This authority from heaven, who before had witnessed the deliverance of Agasura, 
had become very astonished about the Almighty Personality. When Krishna nowhere could find the calves, he neither could find the coward boys after he had returned to the river bank. Thereupon he searched the entire forest for the both of them. Neither finding the calves nor their caretakers anywhere in the forest, Krishna, well aware of everything going on in the universe, understood immediately that this was the work of Vidi, Lord Brahma. In order to please the mothers of the boys and also him, Brahma, Krishna, the controller managing the entire universe, thereupon expanded himself to both the forms of coward boy and calf. With a perfect likeness of the coward boys and their tender calves, having the same size of legs and hands and the same bugles, flutes, sticks and bags and such, with the same ornaments and dresses in all respects, with exactly their character, habits, features, attributes and traits, and playing the same games and such, Krishna, the unborn one, manifested himself in expansions of Vishnu with the same voices and bodies they had. Personally, thus in different ways enjoying the company that he offered himself in the form of the calves and the cowherd boys, he, the soul of all, thereupon entered Vraja. He brought himself in the form of the different calves to the different cowsheds, and next entered the different houses with the different persons he had become, O king. As soon as their mothers heard the sound of their flutes, they immediately abandoned what they were doing and lifted them like feathers up in their arms. They hugged them and allowed them, being wet from their love, to drink from their nectarian breast milk. In that spirit feeding their sons, they were thus of respect for the Supreme Divinity, the Supreme Lord. Every time Madhava thereupon in the evening came home, O ruler of man, having finished what he had to do, they happily took care of him with their actions of massaging, bathing, smearing and decorating him, chanting mantras for his protection, marking him with tilaka and sumptuously feeding all the boys he was. Thereafter, the cows, which had arrived in their sheds, immediately, loudly mooing, called for their calves. These followed them, were time and again licked by them, and fed with the milk that flowed from their udders. From cow and gopi, there was in this matter the motherly affection as there was before, be it that since this love now was derived from the Lord in the form of the calves and boys, it was free from the bewilderment of this is my child, free from I and mine. Now that the children of the inhabitants of Vraja, unlike before, were all like Krishna for the time of a year, the creeper of affection for them and him gradually, day by day, increased without a limit. Thus, for the period of a year, tending himself in the form of the calves by means of himself in the form of the cowherd boys, he, the super-soul wished to play his game, his Leela, in the community and the forest. One day, five or six days before a whole year had passed, the unborn lord, together with Balarama taking care of the calves, entered the forest. In the vicinity of Vraja looking for grass for their calves, they, at a distance, were spotted by the mother cows that were pasturing on top of Govardhana Hill. 
as soon as they saw them, they, urged by their love, forgot about the herd. Despite the difficult path, they broke away from their caretakers and, loudly mooing, galloped fast downhill with their necks raised to their humps, their heads and tails upwards, and dripping milk from their udders. The cows, united with their calves at the foot of the hill and, despite having calved again, fed them with their flow of milk and anxiously licked their limbs as if they wanted to swallow them. The gopas, being frustrated in their efforts to keep them from the difficult and dangerous path, felt greatly ashamed for having gotten angry with them, for when they got there they found their sons together with the cows and calves. Their minds were steeped in a mood of utter transcendental love, and with that great attraction their anger melted away like snow before the sun. Lifting their boys up in their arms to embrace them, they smelt their heads and experienced the highest pleasure. Thereafter, the elderly gopas, overjoyed with the embraces, could only, with difficulty, tear themselves loose from them and had tears in their eyes upon the memory. When Balarama saw the abundance of love and the constant attachment of all the inhabitants of Vraja, however long ago their children and the calves had left behind their mother's breast, he could not understand the reason for this and wondered, What kind of miracle is happening here? The divine love, Prema, of me and everyone here in Vraja for the children and for Vasudeva, the soul of the complete whole, has never been so great. Who would be behind all this? What has caused it? Is it a divine being? Is it a woman or a she-devil? In any case, it must be the special grace of my sustainer. Who else could bewilder me like this? Pondering thus, he, through his mind's eye, saw that all the calves, along with their companions, were manifestations of the Lord of Vaikuntha. Balarama said to Krishna, These boys are no incarnated masters of enlightenment, nor are these calves great sages. You, O Supreme Controller, only you are the one who manifests himself in all the diversity of existence. How can you be everything that exists at the same time? Tell me, what exactly is your word to this? By saying these words, Baladeva then, with his lordship, arrived at an understanding of the situation. The self-born one, Brahma, returning after such a long time, saw that, even though it was but a moment later to his own notion, one year later the lord was playing together with his expansions like he did before. He said to himself, Because the many boys in Gokula together with their calves, are fast asleep situated on the bed of my deluding power, it cannot be so that they today would have risen again. I therefore wonder where these boys here came from. They are different from the ones bewildered by my power of illusion. Yet the same number of them is for an entire year playing together with Vishnu. For a long time, thus contemplating what the difference between the two would be, he, the self-born one, by no means could determine who of them were the real ones and who not. 
And thus, even he, the unseen one, was factually bewildered by his own mystic power, he who wanted to mystify Vishnu, the one who, himself being elevated above all misconception, mystifies the entire universe. As meaningless as the obscurity of a fog is during the night and the light of a glowworm is during the day, a person of a lesser mystic potency will realize nothing but his own destruction when he tries to use this power against a great personality. And while the self-born one was looking on, he saw the herders of the calves appearing with the complexion of a rain cloud and in clothes of yellow silk. They had four arms and held a conch, a disc, a club and a lotus in their hands. They wore helmets, earrings, necklaces and garlands of forest flowers. They were marked with the Srivatsa, carried the Kaushtuba jewel around their conch-striped necks and had bracelets around their wrists. They had ornaments at their feet and bangles on their ankles. With their belts around their waists and their rings around their fingers, they were most beautiful to behold. From head to toe, all their limbs were covered by strings of fresh, soft tulsi that had been offered by those devotees who are of great merit. With their smiles as bright as moonlight and the clear glances of their reddish eyes, they, being just like the basic qualities of white goodness and reddish passion, were the creators and protectors of the desires of their devotees. The praiseworthy primal being of Vishnu was by all beings moving and not moving, from the first being of Brahma down to the smallest clump of grass, worshipped in different ways with, for instance, dance and song. The glory of the perfections, the mystic potencies headed by Ajah, and the twenty-four elements of creation headed by the complete of them, were standing around them in a personal appearance. They were worshipped by the time factor Kala, the individual nature Swabhava, the reform by purification Samskara, desire Kama, fruit of action Karma, the modes Guna, and other powers the glory of whose appearances was defeated by his greatness. They were embodiments of the complete one essence full of knowledge, bliss, truth and eternity. In their glory they were of a greatness beyond the reach of even the seers of philosophy. The self-born Brahma thus saw them all instantly as expansions of the supreme absolute truth Parabrahman, by whose effulgence this entire creation, animate or inanimate, is manifested. By their radiance being caught in bliss and shaken in all his eleven senses, the self-born one thereupon fell silent, just like the doll of a child is nullified by the presence of a locally worshipped deity. The one never born, Krishna understood that the Lord of Ira, Brahma's consort Saraswati, thus was mystified. Because by the presence of him who is known by the Vedas as the Supreme Brahman, everything else is nullified, because that self-manifested multiple blissfulness above the material energy superseded Brahma's glory and he therefore could not fathom what he was dealing with, the Lord all at once tore away the veil of his yoga maya. Then, with his external consciousness revived, 
he, like a dead man, with difficulty stood up and opened his eyes to behold this universe including himself. That moment, looking in all directions, he saw Vrindavana situated in front of him with its many trees, a place sustaining and pleasing its inhabitants during all seasons. Men and beasts, who are inimical by nature, live together like friends in that residence of the Invincible One from which all anger, thirst and all of that has fled away. There, the one residing in the beyond, Brahma, saw him, the absolute truth, without a second, the supreme unlimited one of unfathomable knowledge who had assumed the role of a child in a cowherd family. He saw him the way he was before, all alone and searching everywhere for his calves and boys with a morsel of food in his hand. When he saw that, he quickly came down from his carrier, the swan, and fell with his body flat to the ground like a golden rod. Therewith, he, with the tips of his four crowns, touched his feet, and bowing down performed a bathing ceremony with the pure water of his tears of joy. Over and over, thinking about what he previously had seen, he rose and fell for a long time again and again at the feet of Krishna, the greatness present there. Gradually getting up again, he, looking up at Mukunda, wiped his eyes and, with his head bent over, a trembling body and a faltering voice extolled him humbly with folded hands and a concentrated mind. <laughs> 